What's going on, everybody? So this is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, the founder and host of Seeking Excellence Podcast. And I'm very, very excited to share today's episode with you. It's been one of the many podcasts this year that we've released that I've been very eager to release um, and have just struggled holding on to it and being patient. But I feel like the timing's right now, and this is a great time to uh, release this episode. So very excited, very excited for this one. Like I said, Kim Zember is just an incredible human being. Uh, she struggled with same-sex same sex attraction uh, for years, struggled with living a double life for a long time, uh, was raised Catholic and, and really struggled trying to figure out how to balance her lifestyle as she was living with her faith and ultimately uh, led her to her questioning and, and searching, ultimately led her to a huge conversion and to where she now uh, speaks internationally about her journey uh, with the Lord and how it's really transformed her life through that struggle with uh, life and sexuality. She's written an incredible book called Restless Heart. And so today, our first uh, part of this uh, podcast that Kim and I recorded was all about uh, the book. And then in the next episode that we're going to release is going to be about Q&A. Those just some questions that I thought of that I had for Kim um, that we talked through. And so Kim and I had a great conversation. It was such an awesome thing. She's been such a blessing. Uh, she was willing to send me a copy of the book. I read it in December and absolutely loved it. If you follow me on Instagram, you know I shared that I think it's the most transparent Catholic book I've ever read in my life. It took a lot of courage and boldness for Kim to share so openly about her journey, her struggle, um, and just the ups and the downs that she went through. And uh, we had a lot of similarities in our struggles, I think, uh, with sexual sin and um, overseas, um, uh, you know, mission trips and things like that that really had a big impact on our life and things. So I think uh, she represents a lot of us in our struggle with the with worldliness and just uh, fighting against our own flesh and what the world teaches us and the devil pursuing our hearts uh, and, and tricking us and deceiving us with a lot of lies. So very excited to share this one with you today. Hope you'll share it with other people if you find it impactful. And just want to encourage you to check out Kim's book, Restless Heart. And uh, go check out her her talk from Seek this past week. Kim's been on EWTN, Catholic Answers, all kind of anything you can think of. Kim's been on it. So if you want to see more from Kim, uh, you can check out Kim Zember on Instagram and uh, definitely check out her website, um, which is written in the, the show notes as well. So I hope you enjoy. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this, and you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom, to go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. and never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence.
All right, Kim, thank you so much for joining me today. It's great to have you here on the podcast. How are you doing? I can't complain. Fresh out of adoration. That's great. That's great. We got you nice and holy, all filled up. This is the best version you're going to get. That's amazing. So very excited to have you today. You know, thank you so much for taking the time to to join me to have this conversation. You know, uh, you were very generous with me in sending me a copy of the book, uh, of your book, Restless Heart. Uh, your struggle with life and sexuality. And I think, you know, the, the book was very impactful as, as I shared with you already, how much I loved it. And I think what I loved about it so much is how much of my own journey I saw in yours, you know, um, and just like my struggles with sexual sin, my, you know, I had, I had some powerful mission trip experiences as well that were just crucial in the time that I, you know, I went and committed my life to chastity right around those same times. And the failures and getting back up and failing and getting back up and hurting people yeah. along the way. Uh, I thought it was really, really cool. And I think that it's so critical just how in your subtitle, you talk about, you know, you have that your struggle with life and sexuality. Cause I think it'd be easy yeah. to just kind of focus on just your struggle with sexuality, you know, but uh, it's really it's is. a life thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, it's so much greater than that, you know? Yeah. And so I think it's really, really cool. But um, so, yeah. So first just thank you for writing the book. Uh, it- <laughs> You know, it's not what I wanted to do. I'll say that for sure. I won't unpack that fully, but I did not want to write it. Um, I bet. And I, I do, I choose to thank God um, because I get messages from all over the world, people just saying thank you, that they they know they're not alone. Um, and so that right there makes makes it worth it. Um, so yeah, it was, now it has turned into an honor, um, but it was, it was a resistance for sure uh, for a few years. Yeah, oh, I can imagine. Yeah. You know, I read uh, Made for Love by Father Mike Schmidt. Yeah. Yeah, the first book that I ever read really kind of regarding same-sex attraction in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was incredible. And I read that about uh, 15 months ago, I think it was, a little bit over a year. And <laughs> I mean, it just really opened my eyes, just helped me to understand just ways to have a, the conversation, you know, to, to share with others. Because it's something that I've always felt so passionately about either correcting Catholics on or correcting non-Catholics yeah. about Catholic teaching on. Yeah, you know? it's super important. And Father Mike, uh, we are so blessed to have him share in such truth and compassion because we can't separate those two and so um really really blessed that he's willing to to take a stand and know that he's not being hateful or judgmental he's being actually loving and truthful so yeah really really blessed and i've always felt you know like who better than catholic priests to call people to live a chaste life you know or a life of of abstinence (laughs) catholic priests they do it well yeah and people are like oh how could it how could a priest write on that you know and and if Father Mike doesn't have same-sex attraction. Well, he's called to chastity. He, he's given his life to the Lord. And part right. of that is chastity, right? And that's for all of us. We're supposed to be chaste even inside of marriage, but we won't get into that. But, right. you know, so, <laughs> you know? so I think sometimes we put such blinders, you know, and these like barricades up that we, we, we think people can't relate to us. Um, but I think when we ask the Holy Spirit to take those off, we can actually see that we can relate to each other, even if we don't struggle with the exact same struggle, that we all struggle is the important part. Absolutely. And just how similar, you know, going back to, you know, that universal call for chastity, how similar all of our struggles and sins are, you know, I, I felt, you know, and I think that part of what I related to, you know, in the book was, I felt the same kind of divide or like judgment from people when I was in school, you know, when I was in mm-hmm. a Catholic university, of me struggling with sin, like sexual sin with women, right. and knowing that there was people who were in the, the campus ministry crowd who struggled with pornography, that looked down yeah. upon me, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like, I was some unchaste monster. And right. it's like, yeah, no, I mean, they're different, but they're similar, you know, and I, I've always shared with people that 
same same like trying to you know bridge the gap for certain people to say you know somebody somebody struggling with same sex acting on same sex attraction having you know sex outside the content context of marriage is not right. that far off than me having sex outside the context of marriage in regards to sin exactly and and i think we do that so much not only in society right but then also within church society and we, we yeah. really have to be careful because we're talking about sexual sin right that includes hetero and homosexual right, right. so this is and, and I was just talking to someone yesterday with about others this. and with yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, I pray that even on this podcast that we can break some of those lies uh, down that Satan and, and really it's lies, not that the church is created. The church is true and, and the church's teachings are beautiful. Right. And so it's what we believe the church teaches is where these lies are coming up. And so I, I pray that, you know, hopefully this can be knocked down at least a little bit um, and the truth, you know, resurrects. Yep. It's that classic, you know, we, we always, we're always great prosecutors for the sins of others and great oh, yeah. defense attorneys. for our own. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's so yeah, easy. That's true. It's so easy to do that. So that's great. So I appreciate that. And so I really want to just kind of break down, you know, here at the beginning, just like kind of walking through the book, you know, I kind of mm. hit some of the highlights of it. And in the book, at the beginning, you kind of share like that first high school kiss, the first experience you had, you know, with a woman that kind of created that. And I think that I wouldn't think that that, or that kind of created that spark or that, you know, potential interest in you, you know, in your life um, or that, you know, that, that created that initial draw towards women. And I think what's interesting in throughout the book is you always talk about like how you believed your Catholic faith that you were taught growing up, you know? Absolutely. So what was kind of that like initial, like confusion, I guess, with, with kind of feeling the attraction, you know, towards other women mm -hmm. and also like simultaneously knowing that, or, or believing that, you know, that could potentially not be good to act on. Yeah, it was, it was a wrestle. You know, I think there's an important thing to recognize. I think in all of us, maybe, maybe I'm a rare breed. Um, but just because we know something's wrong, doesn't mean we don't want to do it. Right. Oh, um, absolutely. I, right. And we could tie it to something that maybe everybody could agree with. I know the speed limit in California and San Diego on the right. freeway is 75. I still want to go 85 and get where I'm going faster. Right. right. <laughs> um, just because I know the written law doesn't mean that I want to abide by it. And I think that is where we, where I came into the clash is I know what is good and right and holy based off of the teachings of the church, based off the scriptures, but that doesn't mean my flesh desires it, right? It's usually when we go back to scripture that the flesh, uh, you know, it says my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. And so I live that out. I mean, I think we all do if we want to admit yeah. it or not is a whole nother thing. But so for me, it was really hard because I did know that I was dancing near a line that was, you know, before the kiss, I was dancing near a line uh, that that was not right and good for my soul and in turn for hers and others. And it was really hard because knowing that didn't take my desire away. It, it just didn't. Um, it may have made me stop and think a little bit, but it didn't make the desire go away. And so really the issue was, you know, and nothing I really looked at then, like, how do you make this desire go away? How does it, how does it go away? Do you suppress it? You know, all these different things. And I knew right. not to suppress it either. So, but then I knew not to act on it. Um, but one sounded more appealing and clearly we know which one that would be. And that's to act on it. Right. And that's what I did. Yeah. And I think one thing that's so interesting and just hearing you talk about that now and reading the book, and I feel like I knew this, especially, you know, you know, made for love. I think my father, Mike does share about this some, but and I think that anybody who empathizes more and, and is less, a little bit less judgmental of the sins of others uh, and sees our connectedness can feel this. But I think for some people who read the book, I'm sure 
it's surprising to them to hear that you struggled with it, right? Like that you struggled with the morality of it. And I think that to be fair to them, that can't be partially because the, you know, the LGBTQ community today is so loud or like the the part of them that is so loud, is so bold in forcing the uh, idea that it is right. It is, it ought to be accepted, you know, but it's interesting, I think for some probably to hear that you even struggled. Yeah. And I, I know, I know a lot of people who do not wrestle. They say they do not wrestle. And I choose to trust that. I'm not going to say, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Um, Now, my personally, my personal belief, even if you're not raised in a faith, a Christian faith, um, I, right. The Lord says he's written his law on our hearts. We know, like, I don't need to know that it's wrong to murder. I just know that I know. And so I believe that, you know, but we've, we've had so much happen to us in our lives. Right. And so many people have experienced different things. Maybe they've been, you know, raised in a Christian faith, but their parents were abusive, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or um, maybe they got hurt by someone who was a priest or a uh, um, a pastor or something like that. And so we never know the depths of what people have gone through. And so I, I try, um, and I ask the Lord to help me to not say, oh, come on, you know, it's wrong. Like, what else is going on? What's that? I want to know more about someone's relationship with the Lord than their sexual desires. Because right. <laughs> really the reality is our relationship with the Lord is what's going to, is going to determine everything in our life. Right. And yeah. so for me, yeah, that was absolutely real. I would never pretend that I was not wrestling. Um, and I got a lot of slack for that. I got a lot of heat for it. Um, oh, oh, come on. This is just Catholic guilt. This is just because you were raised that way. I'm yeah. like, dude, I was raised also that like, I have to make my bed every morning or it's not good. And I still don't make my bed. Actually, right now it's not made. And it's uh, 1115 <laughs> in San Diego. So for that, like, I've been taught things that I don't believe. And, and I'm talking about, you know, raised with and and there's still things in the catholic church that i may not understand or believe but i'm going to choose to and i want to because i trust the church i trust that when jesus said upon this rock i build my church and that that has continued and so it doesn't mean i have to like it <laughs> right? right but i want to i want to humbly say lord i trust you you know and he sees the, the position of our heart so yeah no it's so good i think you know you hitting on the unknown wounds is something that's so important because something that you know i've talked about extensively and i'll have release episodes on by the time this one comes out is the black lives matter movement you know just race racial tension and stuff in america and Mm -hmm. i try to constantly encourage church people to understand and our fellow catholics and christians to understand that we have to while we might have the greatest truth within us right and we might know it we have to encounter people with love and grace and compassion first because we don't know like while we might disagree with them right so a lot of people get you know worked up about um, some of the things that are moving in society, you know, in the LGBTQ community, all that stuff, like, but to understand that first and foremost, like, these people might be hurting, you know, anybody, Absolutely. not not just them, but even like, that's what I encourage them with, like, certain BLM, you know, people that are worked up or excited, like, mm-hmm. we have to understand that they might be actually hurting. And if you're going to ignore that hurt, you're never going to come to a, any type of agreement and understanding. No, no. And, and we got to look back how Jesus approached things, right? He approached... Yes he approached a person, right? Not mm-hmm. a topic. He approached a person. And then yes, topics come and he addresses topics. So I'm not trying to make this like, oh, Jesus is some hippie. He's like, hey, we're all good. I love you. Right. The no, re- there's both. The, yeah. And the reality is that I don't know who, who said this, um, but I love it. And it is that people don't usually care what you know until they know that you care. Right. Right? People don't usually know it or care what you know until they know that you care. And so are we even coming to people heart to heart? Like, do we really care about each other? Or do we care about winning? Do we care about 
our truth and which I know is truth, um, it's not relative, but do we care that they just believe the truth or that they encounter the one who is truth, right? right. Encountering yeah. Christ, he says, taste and see that I'm good. So uh, we, we can get really off focus um, very quickly. Yeah. And it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of not, of kind of tearing down those boundaries of us versus them right. and just realizing, you know, that we're all human beings, we're all God's beloved all children, yes. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is really important. So, yeah. So back, back to the story. I think one of the most shocking parts of the book for me, Kim, was that you got married. I did. To a man. Yeah. To a man. So, yeah. God bless his soul. He's alive, by the way. So that sounded like he departed. He's here. He's here. That's amazing. Yeah. So that was a crazy journey. You know, and I think just a, an exciting part of the book. It, it, you did such a great job in the book too, of like, I never wanted to stop reading, you know, like you mm. did a great job, you know, section to section of being like, what's going to happen next, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, just like, somebody read the book and they're like, oh my gosh, like, this is like a movie. I was like, yeah, but it's real, man. Like right? every <laughs> one of those, like, and imagine now living in it. It was, it was a lot, but yeah, I, I mean, I did, I, I got married, you know, I think when you, from a young age, honestly, Nathan, I felt, I felt called to, um, the single life. Now I didn't know what that meant. And I was terrified of being a nun or a sister. So for me, it was like, okay, well, if I'm not going to be a religious order, then what does that look like? Well, I'm, I don't like cats, so I'm not going to be the cat lady. So what am I left with? And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I met this man. He was wonderful and a radical believer, loved the Lord. And I was drawn to him, but I was actually drawn to his relationship with the Lord. I was drawn to God within him, Christ Mm. within him. Um, but I was like, okay. And it was honestly a big part of why I got married. I mean, he's, he's incredible. He, he really is. And if, if I were to choose a man, it would be him in, in many other ways. But the reality is, um, when you're not called, you're not called and called to marriage. We have a calling on our life. And I let the fear of the unknown, the fear of being alone drive me into a different calling. I don't, I don't blame anybody for that. I chose to allow fear um, to, and, and the fear of the unknown to have me say yes to something the Lord didn't call me to. Right. And that's, that's something that I think was incredibly powerful throughout the book was just your acceptance of personal responsibility, which obviously is lacking in in society in many ways today, you know? Um, but yeah, well, what, what kind of led to I, that? Was that something that was there throughout or? A lot of blame. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I think you see through the book, you know, I wasn't taking accountability. You see, when, when, when I wrote this book, I, I tried to keep people at pace where I was, not me writing the book, like looking back and saying, and now this is what I think about what I did. It was like, you're in it when I was in it as much as possible. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, but even in that, I always knew, like, even for me, I, I didn't want to follow God, but I wasn't willing to say he wasn't real. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Jesus Christ was the only true God, man, savior of the world, but I didn't want to surrender my life to him. And so for me, I, by the grace of God, look, dude, I was baptized as a baby. So his grace, his free gift, right. Um, was received, but you know, he says to be saved is to be baptized and believe, right. And and belief is a walkout system. Right. And so for me, I had the graces that I do not deserve. That is grace, right? It is undeserved grace and mercy that was constantly pouring in my life. So the Holy Spirit, you could see through the book, I'm doing some terrible things, but the Lord would not, would, would not stop talking to me, never forcing. But so in that, I believe that this, um, accountability and this, like, 
not just pointing the finger at everybody else came from the grace of God through the waters of baptism um, that yeah. I had to take accountability. Like the Lord in his goodness was like, Kim, look, you may be doing this and you're choosing this, but don't try to push it on someone else. And I'm so thankful for that because I think if I would have blamed everybody else, I'd still be doing it today. Um, we, we have, I pray that we all come to a place where we, we look in the mirror, right? And we say, okay, what about me? And I have said this even for 2021, people are like, oh, this year is not going to be different. I can't change politics. I can't change this. I can't change that. I'm right. like, dude, you're right. But you can be changed. We have, we have the ability with the Lord to be transformed. And, yep. and look, government may not change. Nothing else may change around us, but our entire world, us can change, right? If we allow the Lord to, to transform us to his likeness and his image. Um, and so for me, I'm, I believe it's the grace of God alone um, that I was willing to, or able and then willing to actually um, take accountability. Yeah, that's awesome. And isn't it so interesting that God the Father led you in that way, you know, that Jesus showed you that you had to take responsibility and ownership and I think it's so interesting because I, you know, I, I know so many great people, especially women in my life who are highly engaged in their faith that are like constantly over apologizing, that are constantly taking responsibility for things that aren't their fault. And I just think about the ways that that, you know, in, in certain ways, like that kind of like over niceness is kind yeah. of anti-Christ-like because of I don't got that, that one. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. But it's so yeah. interesting how some people like and I try to encourage people in that sometimes and, and these friends of mine and guys do it, too, for sure of just saying like, Hey, like you shouldn't apologize that that's not your fault. And like, you're actually taking responsibility from this person. That's going to like hold them back from growing in their own Absolutely. virtue. Absolutely, Yeah. Cause what you're doing is I'm taking accountability for something now that someone can't, if I took accountability for something right. that wasn't mine. Now that person, whoever they might be, can't take accountability because I'm too busy holding it. Right. Yeah. And so we're, we're actually stealing from each other when we do that. We need, we've got enough. If we really take an evaluation of our own life, we have enough to be accountable and sorry for. <laughs> I, I don't have enough room even to take on yours, Nathan, or anybody else's because I'm full of my own, right. right. That I am accountable to. And that, but, but in a joyful way, not this heavy burden, but like, yeah. I, I was in adoration this morning and it was like, see, like literally like Lord scan my heart, like yeah. show me, I don't want to be in the dark of the things that are really there, you yeah. know? And I think, and, and when we can take that real accountability and that real face to face face with a father who loves us, who is not, it says the kindness of the Lord leads to repentance. So I'm going to the Lord in his kindness. And he's revealing these things to me about myself, that the darkness within, right. That I want out, he's revealing these things and it draws me to repentance, right. Mm -hmm. But through his kindness, not through this iron rod. Yes, he is a just judge and let's not pretend he's not, but he comes through his kindness. I mean, prodigal son, he ain't right. like, where the heck you been, bro? Like, what's going on? And what's all over your face? It looks like pig slop and you're dirty. And what happened to the inheritance? He's like, come. And he has robes of righteousness and rings on his finger, right? Like, so I, I think sometimes it's our approach to how we see God, right? God, the father is why we sometimes don't evaluate even ourselves, right? Or we're afraid to do a self-evaluation because of guilt and shame and condemnation. When Christ was very clear, I did not condemn, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. Right. right? And so Absolutely. I'll stop there, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. I think it's, and it's so in line with what you just said earlier about people releasing control, you know, of what they can control to saying, oh, well, you know, I can't change politics. I can't change the pandemic. I can't change this or that. But that's what, you know, what I, I always harp on people with, within Seeking Excellence of, 
like like take the economy for example right like it if you're not taking control of your personal budget it doesn't really yeah. matter whether or not the economy is good or bad right like it's better Correct. for you to take first exactly. you're going to have better financial success if you're taking ownership mm-hmm. and control and being disciplined in your budget during a bad economic time than if yep. you're free spending going into debt during a good economic time yeah, right exactly. it's not going to make any difference if you're exactly. not focused on what you can control and we do the same thing with our relationship with god and, and with others you know it's really sad yep. how often people do that. But. And and the reality, when I go face to face with the Lord and all of us, he's not going to be like, oh, because there was a pandemic, right? Like right. he's not, because it's always in the personal look all through the scriptures, right? It was never situational. This is a heart to heart thing with the Lord, right? And so whether it's pandemic, no pandemic, whatever, um, we always, the Lord is always available and, and inviting us to be transformed. So we may not be able to change the pandemic, but we sure can ask the Lord to help us change our attitude about it. Right. And the way we so. experience it will radically change if we do that. Exactly. Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's right. So talk to me about some Ethiopia. So I thought that was such oh. a cool way that the Lord just like crashed into your life, you know? So you going over there and just having that yeah. experience and the service to others and the way that that opens your heart in such a powerful way, you know, cause I, I think that my experience is uh, something that paralleled with that, you know, was my experience is that I went to the Dominican Republic mm-hmm. uh, every January, my freshman, sophomore and junior years of college. And so like in the heat of all of my, you know, conversion and, yeah. and my transformation um, just like, I felt like the humility and gratitude that you mm-hmm. get when you go to a third world country, you know, and you get yeah. to experience things in a different way and you get to see and you recognize the true source of joy in yeah. such a, in such a different way, yeah. you know, and we're in America pursuing all these different things, you know, and, and you kind of stop to realize like, why is this person happier than I am? Exactly. Yep. hundred percent. And, you know, and for me, the Lord, so it's, it's funny because even the book, like you mentioned in the beginning, my struggle with life and sexuality and yep. the order of that is important. Um, I didn't want to leave out sexuality because I wanted people to know like, Hey, well, what's life. I mean, so I I didn't want to pretend like sexuality was not a struggle for me. And so, and, and still is, um, but in that life. So one of the biggest things I battled and still to this day do is selfishness. What extinguishes the fire of selfishness, selflessness, right? Getting Mm. yourself out and serving others. And so the Lord in his all knowingness and in his gentleness and his kindness um, drew me and put it in my heart from when I was a kid, the details were in the book. And, and he reminded me only when I asked, isn't that amazing? I mean, th- that experience I had when I was in like junior high or whatever, I didn't remember until I asked when I was 23, right? Because wow. it says, ask, seek, and you shall find, ask, and you shall receive, knock, and the door will be open. It wasn't, I had that memory all the time, dude. It mm-hmm. wasn't until I said, God, show me my heart that boom, up came that memory right? From when I was in junior high, of this desire to go to, to, to Africa. Right. Um, and so in that, I think that's an important thing. It's like, well, God hasn't shown me. Well, have you asked? Have you asked, you know? Right. And so these things were within me. They were the desires of my heart that he put into my heart um, that now I ask. And so, yeah, that, that experience um, is one I pray I never forget. Um, it transformed my life. I actually am looking at going uh, next month back and, and it's, it's my home away from home. It's honestly where I feel like my heart was birthed. I know that sounds weird, um, yeah, but it was really. a place. Yeah, it was a place. Yeah, I was born in, in California, but, but honestly, I feel like I came to life because I, I broke out. The Lord broke me out or allowed me or invited me to break out of selfishness and into um, looking at others. Um, and it, it's been a radical journey 
um, that, that I pray he allows me to stay on, but I know if he doesn't, uh, then he's got a, another plan. So yeah, it, it, I, I don't know. I can't describe it better than, than I pray that the Lord let me in the book. So yeah, no, it's so awesome. I want to read one of the quotes from the book. Uh, this is one of my favorites. You said, I would rather live for something that matters, even die for it, than live for nothing more than safety and comfort. I wanted to finally live for something more than myself. And I think that that is, I mean, that's one of the, I think, fundamental messages of the entire book, right? Is like you finally living for more than you. And even what you were talking about earlier of knowing the truth, but not wanting to act on it, not wanting to live it out. That's, you know, that's the same in my journey. It's the same in everybody's journey, essentially, is are you willing to live for something more than yourself or are you just going to live for you? Absolutely. And that goes, that goes, man, to desires, right? Like my desires, even if it be a desire to be with a woman and, and whatnot, is that desire my own? And, you know, and to look at that and, and to lay that desire down at the feet of Christ and ask him to strengthen me to not walk that out. So for the good of the other's soul and for mine. Look, we may never be able to get rid of desires. I personally don't think we'll ever rid ourselves of temptation because we live on this earth. Like we are human. We right. still have flesh, no matter how holy, no matter how sanctified, we are not at the fullness until we're in the glory of God, in the presence of God, in the throne room. And so we are going to be tempted. It's not about let's, let's never be tempted. It's about Lord, strengthen me in my weaknesses and help mm -hmm. me to love as you love. Jesus was tempted in every way and never sinned, right? He took on flesh. And so for me, it's not about, you know, people ask me, they're like, so Oh, so you're just no longer attracted to women. I'm like, well, not like I used to be because I stopped feeding those desires. Right. And I'm, yeah. I'm really, what I'm asking is Lord help me to love because now when I do have those desires rise up, I want to love that person, how the Lord loves them. And he doesn't love them through sex. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and so I, I want, it says to take every, the word says to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so whatever it be, whether my sexuality, whether selfishness of other ways, whatever it's going to reveal itself, uh, I need the Lord's help to redirect me to, you know, set my mind on the things above and not below. So, yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I think, you know, I, I loved even the next kind of part of the book or even in the same couple of chapters there, the, the, you come to the realization that I think a lot of people don't realize when they think about ministry work or they think about mission trips or service in any ways, but you learn that service is really hard. <laughs> yeah. even within yeah. working for the church even within doing yeah. the right thing doing good things you can get your heart broken and you can have oh. some extremely difficult and hard experiences Absolutely. you know and the lord never promised us that we wouldn't he actually promised the right. opposite right and when we give our lives to him it, see he doesn't say you won't have heartache it's not rainbows and lollipops it's it's struggles <laughs> but now he's my strength right whereas before i was struggling anyways we're never going to avoid struggles but right. now i have a strength he is my strength i don't have a savior that came and saved me and this is when i was saved no i'm saved every day i need to be mm -hmm. saved every day i need a savior every day he's not a one hit wonder he's not a magician he's a man he's the god man he's my savior he's my bridegroom and that's a commitment every day that i'm invited to to make and so um yeah i think you know service is hard no matter no matter if yeah. you're living for the lord or you're not but it's harder without him I'll say that I lived in service without him, right? Yeah. Uh, and now I live in service with him and I, I don't want to go back to service without him. He is my strength, whereas I was my own strength before and I'm nothing, so. Right, yeah, no, it's definitely, that's a very, very good distinction to make because it definitely is harder. Uh, and I definitely dig that. I think, you know, one of the things that I think is, is so interesting that you really point out is it, Father Mike Schmitz told, tells this great story. He's told it a few times in, in his homilies 
about uh, this this guy who was basically fighting, you know, in communist China, um, being persecuted for the faith, right, and like goes through uh, all the kinds of types of torture and starvation and things like that to not reveal where a priest is, um, where the priest is, you know, who who is serving his family, and then he talks about how that same guy ends up moving to America and ends up stop going to church. Yep. You know, ends up that he stops going to church at all, like not even on Sundays, right? Mm-hmm. And just how he, one quote that he says, I always think is so powerful. He says that what weeks of torture, starvation, electrocution, all types of pain, being afraid for his family could not do, America's culture did without even trying. Mm-hmm. And I think you really hit on that in the book really, really well, you know, because I think it's so easy to seem like the need is greater for God when you're abroad, when you're in these third world countries, right? Because you kind of feel like you have this need, like you're literally like, God, like lead me home, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. God, like, well, I'd you like don't to have eat an insurance today. plan. Yeah, you, you know? know what I mean? Yeah. I don't have like, I don't have like, uh, you know, my my hospital that I'll just jump into and get whatever I need. Like there's a different dependence on the Lord yep. to me that I've experienced. Exactly. And I think that it, it you know, I, I something I learned also going through the mission trips, I went to a, another mission trip in my senior year down in Nicaragua. And the, what was so interesting about that one was we were serving wealthy families that spoke English. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. we were doing for them is we were doing these retreats. Like, you know, every, like most Catholic Amen. schools do like a yearly retreat or whatever. Yeah. And it was incredible to me how like we were going there to do that and like still kind of in this country, you know, it's not super thriving, but yeah. with these wealthier people, but just how spiritually poor they were. Absolutely. You know, the poverty in, in Catholicism was so real. And like, it was like, wow, mm-hmm. that's how we're serving in this way. And it was, you know, I kind of learned that like poverty still exists in the first world. It's just uglier. It's yeah. more hidden, you know, and it has, unfortunately, much longer lasting effects, you know, with spiritual poverty than physical poverty, yep. you know, can last you eternity. Well, I was going to say our stomachs may not be hungry, but our souls are. And, and honestly, yep. I would rather experience physical starvation than a soul that is starving because, because like you just said, the soul is for eternity, the stomach passes. And so in that, and that's, and that's what I noticed. I noticed I had everything quote unquote at my fingertips when I went to Ethiopia, but on the inside, I was nothing. I was empty, right? Because yep. I hadn't been feeding my soul. I hadn't let the Lord. And I, I encountered people who physically had nothing, but yet we're so rich spiritually. And I'm like, what am I missing here? Like, what is going on? But the beauty is like, whoa, thank you, Lord, that everything you've supplied me with, Lord, I can pour out upon them who need those things and everything you've supplied them with, they can pour out upon me. And now we are helping one another. They, that's why when people tell me like, Oh, Kim, thank you. And I have some mamas when I go over there, you know, fall at my feet. I'm like, Whoa, get up get up. We need to be at at Christ's feet because he supplied for you and he supplied for me equally, equally. Because guess what? You guys could die today and be with him in eternity. And me, I can't take anything that I've got. And I feel empty and barren on the inside. And so, you know, it's, it's just how the Lord provides and how that's why we're meant to give to each other, right? Because Mm -hmm. where I am lacking, someone is abundant. And so when yeah. we live in community like that, it just transforms. And I think that's where Proverbs, right? Iron sharpening iron um, is, is a big, you know, kind of display of that as well. Right. And it shows the power of other people in our lives, right? In the way yes. that that can really expose us. Because something that's interesting, you know, when I would just, just, just came to me as you were talking is like, I've heard different stories, you know, of like kids who are living in poverty or kids who are poor. It's easier, obviously, to be around other poor kids because you don't really know how poor you are. Right. Right. But when you're but the, the spiritual aspect of that is it's worst 
Because when you're spiritually in poverty, right? When you're spiritually poor, when you're spiritually hungry and you're around other spiritually poor people, it's the same thing. You don't realize how poor you are. It's just that it's not a positive effect that you don't realize it, right? So when we surround ourselves with other people who are also spiritually hungry, spiritually devastated, we don't realize our need for God, right? We don't realize like, oh, but what you saw when you went over there, when you find, when you left America is you saw people who were spiritually full. Yes. You know what I mean? Even though they were actually poor. So now I can tell where I was lacking. Yeah. Now you can realize like, oh, wow. Like you can see the disparity. You can see the, yep. the vast, the vastness in the, the difference there. And I think that's so powerful. And people just need to understand, you know, constantly how important it is for us to surround ourselves, mm-hmm. not only with, with good saved, you know, like awesome, yeah. holy uh, Christians, but also, but the need for some of them in our lives mm-hmm. so that we can also be, you know, pulled higher. Absolutely. And, and encouraged and challenged. Yes. Amen. Which is obviously a huge part of your story as well. But I think, you know, it was so cool and obviously like having empathy for you, like not, not relishing in your, in your suffering, okay. there, but I think like seeing how the struggle continued in your vulnerability yeah. and sharing that is so important because for so many people, I think who are caught in sexual sin or caught in all types of sin, it, they, they view people, you know, any, anybody who does any type of ministry, anybody who speaks, you know, uh, to say like, oh, well, they were sinning and then they were had this moment Still and now this, they're not yeah. doing it anymore. You know what I mean? Like it just, I still struggle to this day. I still struggle. I still, and I still fall. And I I hate the word fall because for me, it sounds like a mistake. See, the difference is, is I know now and I can still make bad decisions. I can still make bad decisions. The difference is I go running to the Lord. I go run. Nothing tastes the same that I used to experience. Nothing. And if, and if somebody doesn't want to hear a podcast, because I'm not perfect, then, you know, you're going to have to shut off every podcast. Because we right. will never find a perfect person outside yep. of the man, Jesus Christ. And so if we can't come to each other, and I'm not celebrating sin, I'm not celebrating falls, I'm celebrating the one who pulls us out every time. And I think we tend to chalk people off because we're not perfect. And but yep. we got to look back. I mean, nobody would be preaching. Nobody would be teaching. But <laughs> yeah. what, what I pray we do is that we're authentic and that I don't stand here or sit here or stand anywhere or sit anywhere and say, I've got no struggles and I am not sinning because that is a liar right there. And yep. so I pray that we can continue as daughters and sons of God, that we can continue to be authentic and transparent. Does that mean you got to give all the details? No, but, but to be transparent and, and in our struggles, because the reality is I'm going to hurt someone even more. If I say, Oh, I'm all good. Yeah. October 17th. I hadn't had a problem since then, because now when they have their radical encounter with the Lord and they start struggling, they're like, yeah. Oh crap, but Kim didn't struggle. So I'm not really saved. Right. right? Or I'm not, I, I wasn't yeah. really set free. And that's a lie. And it's a lie straight from the pit of hell. We will always struggle. Now the prayer is right. That we struggle less. And that when, if we do fall back into old sins or old temptations, that there is no longer the luster it used to have. Right. right. I just yeah. talked to a girl yesterday. Absolutely. She's like, Kim, I fell. I'm like, okay. And I said, praise God. And she's like, what? I said, I say, praise God, not to the fall because I can hear how sad you are. Right. And she's like, whoa. I said, and I celebrate that that is the Holy Spirit at work, that you are not where you used to be, that that did not taste as it used to, that you are, you have tasted and seen better. And now that no longer tastes Mm -hmm. the same. That's why the Lord says it's like returning back to throw up. Right. Right, And so when we know that it is throw up, it's not the person that's throw up. It's the sin, right? The sin is, is because we've tasted good and, and that is only Christ. So. 
and it's a radical transformation that happens within you. Yeah. And it's not overnight, but it, it, yeah, exactly. It's progressive, you know? And that's, I mean, how Catholic is that, right? Progressive sanctification. Like it's not something that we believe happens overnight as a one-time thing. We have progressive sanctification happens over time. Absolutely. And and you do. And I've had radical, like almost these like radical, whoa, he just jumped me forward. Right. Or or something like where there is radical moments in your life. And I'm not, I'm not, um, downplaying those because I've, I've experienced it myself but that's not everything this is a right. journey of sanctification which means until the day i no longer have breath in my lung i am being sanctified and yep. that is all of us so and it's just as good practical advice too because we need to add, even in those times where we feel bulletproof you know to temptations yeah. of sin we still need to be humble and ask for god's grace every single day that's and never take when it I for get granted. Shot. Right. Spiritual pride, right. The beginning, honestly, is when I think I'm so spiritually sound and and nothing can get me. God's like, I love you, babe, but but careful because that that's spiritual pride, right? Because that's I can't. No, 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 no. This is about no, I can do nothing apart from Christ who strengthens me. And that, like you said, is that humility of heart that keeps us within sanctification. It's the spiritual pride that will pull us right out of that. And mm-hmm. I've, I've experienced that in my own life. That's book number two, three, and four. So <laughs> that's yeah. amazing. They have several volumes that way. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. So I think that, you know, with that, what, one thing you had this, this quote in there, how could God watch all of this happen when you were starting to fall again? You know, and, and it, it is, it is so interesting when you're really stuck in sin, when you're really struggling, you almost have this like desire to be like smited, you know? Like, yeah, I like, really did. Yeah. Like, I was like, don't you have like a lightning bolt you could just beam down right now? Like get my leg. Don't get my whole body. Just get my leg. Something, yeah. you know? You need to just take me out, man. Cause I clearly can't do this. Yeah. But I think that's, that's, I think it, I, I know, not, I think, I know that his kindness and his goodness mm-hmm. wants me to choose him. That's the gift of free will. Right. right? Yeah. He never overrides our free will. He could take me out of sin in a heartbeat, but a heart that loves is a heart that chooses, not that has to. It's a heart right. that chooses. See, I could put all these, these guardrails around me and I choose to do that in many ways. But if, if somebody's making me do it, it ain't love, dude. It ain't love to be in love. And he wants, he doesn't call himself a bridegroom for no reason. That is a love. That is a marital. That is, that is right. the heartbeat of love. And so for, for us, I mean, yeah, I, I would have loved him to pull me out, but because he loves me, he wanted me to call to be drawn out, right? Um, where my soul chooses to say, Lord, I need you. I can't do this. I can't right. do this. And, and to, I do not celebrate falls, not in other people's lives and not in my own, but I do choose to celebrate what God can do with them, right? It's very clear. I think it's in Romans, uh, Paul says, for the grace of God is, is immense, but is that a license to sin? Absolutely not. Right. Absolutely not. And so we don't use the grace of God. We receive the grace of God. There's a big difference. One's greasy, one's real. And so for me, when I see the, the falls in my own life, whether those that are displayed in the book or just the falls that I know, um, you know, I look at the lessons. I look at the lessons and I'm thankful for that. And I, I, it also reveals my weakness, which reveals my need for him. Right. And so to me, I'm thankful for that. I'm not, he does not draw us into sin. We do not have a God who tempts us and leads us into sin, but he does allow this knowing that, okay, this one right here, she, she might fall, but if she comes back and she wants me, I'm going to strengthen her in this. You know, it's like when you break a bone, you know, you broke it, it grows back stronger. So they say in scars, same thing. Right. Absolutely. No, I definitely understand. That That is incredible. Um, 
Yeah, it, it's such a powerful thing. And it's such a powerful truth to start to realize and understand how God wants to work with us in that way. Yeah. You know, yeah. can really but in no it. way celebrating sin or falls, but right. can we learn from them, please. <laughs> right. With the grace and power of the Holy Spirit, we can. Yeah. So kind of like you talked about earlier with like suppressing your feeling. That's that's what I yeah. feel like a lot of people do with the sins. Instead of taking the lessons that they can offer you, we just stuff them under the rug and mm-hmm. try to ignore them, act like they're not happening, you know. And it's like until we embrace mm-hmm. that, until we uncover that and can re- remove the shame that keeps us from coming back yes. to confession and back yes. to the Lord. You know, we, ha- we have to get rid of those things so we can actually Absolutely. live our lives. And, and the more we hide it, the more shame and guilt we'll feel. And so it really is coming into like, Lord, I bring this to you. And he says he casts our sins as far as north is from east, southwest, right? All that, whatever the mm-hmm. way the compass goes. Um, <laughs> and so so in that, I mean, really, and if we're, so if we're carrying this shame and guilt, I don't know that we've really given it to him, fully given. Look, we know we're forgiven. Have we then allowed him to allow us to forgive ourselves? right? And to learn. Yeah. And so when we can look back and say, hey, I don't celebrate what I did, but I do celebrate what I learned. And that's where we can grow and, and grow in sanctification and grow in holiness. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. And so it, one of the things I think is really, really great too, is just your battle with truth and the wording that you use in describing your battle with truth. And yeah. uh, especially when you use the phrase, you know, creating your own truth. And I think a lot of people you know, you talk about different, you know, different relationships that you were in and women encouraging you to do that as well, you know, to live out your own truth. Like, yeah, you've heard this truth, you know, from the church and God's teaching and, you know, you're familiar with scripture, but like, don't deny your own experiences, your own desires, right? Like to create your own truth, which is such a common thing in today's world. But I really feel like this was like a huge turning point, you know, of you deciding, you know, finally deciding on, am I going to live out my truth or am I going to live out God's truth? Right. Capital T or lowercase. Yeah. And so for me, I mean, and then this is still today, I have a choice. I'm going to live by the one who is truth or what I want to be true. And right. I lived too much, Nathan, by what I wanted to be true. And I suffered from it every time. And so did others. See, you know, when I live by lowercase T truth, I hurt not only myself, but others. And I think mm-hmm. the book is a great display of that. Um, and so in that, when I when the Lord in his greatness, um, just let me just suffer because of my choices, not because he was making me suffer because I was choosing to follow my own truth. And what I wanted to believe was true, um, and not be transformed by truth, but rather transform truth into what I wanted it to be, um, is when I actually realized, oh my gosh, I've been a lot like Satan. See, Satan didn't want to believe God was real and true and he wanted his power and he wanted to be God. Well, when we, when I make up what is true, when my feelings and my desires define what is true, then I, in a way, am reflecting Satan himself because he did not want to submit to the one who is, was, and always will be. And in many ways, we do the same thing, right? I can't speak for others, but I'll speak for myself. In many ways, I was doing the same thing. I wanted to believe what I wanted to believe, not what was and who was, if that makes sense. And so- in that, I was following the path of Satan. I was making up what was mm-hmm. true because of how I felt, because of the desires I had, right? And and it led me down a horrible path, but I chose to walk down it. Nobody put me down that. I, I chose to walk. Right. Yeah, which is incredibly, I mean, yeah, obviously a mind-blowing, you know, kind of thing. And I think that you have a quote on, on another quote in there that I really loved that was only three words that I thought was super deep, but I, I highlighted, I was looking through it today. And you just quoted, you said, my choices mattered, Mm. you know, which I think is such a huge thing because I think we live in a world now where 
you're entitled to much, but you're responsible for little. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that you recognizing, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but you just recognizing that like, these are your choices. These are your decisions, which is ultimately, you know, made for love, like father Mike Schmitz's ultimate point, right. Is like, you get to choose, like you, you now, you know, how you feel, you know, your experiences, Mm -hmm. you know, how you felt before and after experiences, you know, what God's calling you to, you get to choose, you know, what are you going to do? That's like his ultimate question. You know, what are you going to do now? And that's every moment of our life, Nathan. I am faced with that. I will never not be. And my prayer is that I take everything and I say, Lord, what do you want me to do? If I, right, we say, oh yeah, you're Lord of my life. Lord of my life means he makes decisions and I choose to have those decisions be my decision, right? If somebody lords over something, it's lording over my desires, lording over my feelings. And, and so in that we do have choice and, and I, we can watch the news. People's choices affect us, man. They Mm -hmm. affect us. And, and so I am not held outside of that. If I choose to to drink and get in a car, it's going to affect someone. Yep. Uh, my niece is an example. She was taken home at 15 years old because someone chose, someone chose to, to do something. And, mm-hmm. and I know that's an extreme, but my choice is my choice. Look, somebody said, Kim, that makes no sense. You were with women who wanted to be with you. I said, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Never forced anybody to be with me. I said, but here's the reality. Um, if we were to call my ex-girlfriend, one of them, um, and ask how my choice and her choice would have affected her two twin baby girls that she has and her husband that she now has. I'd say that husband and those two twin babies would have a lot to say about that. My choice and her choice would have kept those two and that husband from being in this life. And so, you know, and that might seem extreme and people may not understand that, but but there's a reality. Um, Even if when, when we choose to step out of the love lines that God created us, it affects our own soul and others. And I, I really pray that we stop lying to ourselves um, or believing the lie that is out there yeah, exactly. that our choices only affect us because that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Yeah, absolutely. It's horrific. And I think that it is, it has penetrated so deeply into so many facets of society. And we really, you know, I, I always say that like the church is meant to lead, we're meant to impact the world. And something that I think is really unfortunate in the world a lot of times today is that the church is more impacted by the world than the church is impacting the world. You yes. know, and, yep. and this is one of the main things that we have to lead with in teaching people that there's beauty in that, right? It's not just, it's not just the bad sides, right? Like it's, it's the same thing as the free will aspect yeah. of things, you know, this love hate relationship with free will that we're like, God, I wish you sometimes you take it from me, but I love that you give it to me because sometimes it's beautiful. Right. And that's the same thing. That's, that's the choices that we get to make is that sometimes there's awful sides of it. Sometimes there's beautiful sides of it. And, and people are making the argument in the world. I think that we should remove it all because we don't want to face the the guilt, the necessary guilt of when we choose it for negative, when we choose it for wrongdoing. But then we also lose the beauty of when we can choose it for good. Yeah. And we lose the beauty of forgiveness. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Like we're not going to always make the perfect choice, but we lose when we don't take accountability and we don't own that we've hurt someone, hurt ourselves, that we don't, we've actually taken away the beauty of God's forgiveness. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And his love. And so we receive so much of his love through forgiveness because he knows we're a fallen people. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah, that's that's exactly it. And I think that another thing that was so striking in the book, too, is you talk about how you never doubted God's love for you in the midst, even in the midst of you making these wrong choices. And that's something that I really felt as well, because even when I was at the furthest in my actions, 
you know, from obeying the Lord and, and, and just loving him through obeying his commandments, like he calls us to, uh, I'd never doubted that he still wanted me back, you know, yes. and he, no matter how hard it was, no matter how embarrassing it was to go back to confession, no matter how difficult it was to walk back, drag myself back into church mm-hmm. some days, I never doubted that he wanted me to be there at, you know, at the bottom of it all. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. That you just, you pointed that out that you've never doubted that. That's his grace. That is for sure his grace. Um, Because Mm -hmm. in the midst of being so dirty that you can know that he still desires to love you. No, 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 no. Let me rephrase that, that he still loves you. See, I thought he only, I, I started to believe a lie that he only loved me when I was clean. But no, he loves me to cleanliness. <laughs> His love right. washes me clean, right? Yeah. And so we don't come to God when we're holy. We go to God to be holy. <laughs> and That's so it. for me, I'm so thankful that his grace never... See, the question was, and I don't know if this was written in the book or not, if I if, if I penned it or if it made it or it didn't, but um, I never questioned if God loved me. I questioned if he loved what I was doing. There's wow. a difference. See, because people say this and it, and it frustrates me. And I heard it a lot myself, especially when I was living in the lifestyle, love the sinner, hate the sin. And I'm like, okay, that's a lot of negativity around a really good word, love. <laughs> uh, love the sinner, <laughs> ah, hate the sin. I'm like, ah, okay, you know. So, but here I think is the reality. And I can see where that is scriptural. I'm not saying it's not correct, but I don't think that it's very inviting. And I don't think it speaks the heart of God because God mm-hmm. didn't encounter and be like, you're a sinner, but I love you. <laughs> he said, I love you, turn from your ways. And so in this, yeah. I think that what, what God continues to reveal is that he loves us, but he may not love what we're doing. And so in that, we need to do the same. I can love you, Nathan, and not love all your actions. Right. Right. And, and to pretend that love means loving everything you do, then we won't love anybody. My, you know, my friend who's addicted to, to meth, I love him. I love his soul. And I am not for a second going to think and let him think that I love his actions mm-hmm. when it comes to this. But I want to love him well. And that's why I can speak into this and love him through this and journey with him and not point the finger and say, well, I love you, a sinner, but I hate your sins. Whoa. Like, what is that? And so to love right. someone and not think that you have to love everything that they do is how I think we really can love someone. A lot of words love, I know, but it, it ties back to the truth because you cannot separate truth from love, the love of Christ from the truth of Christ. And you cannot separate his truth from his love. They're inseparable. And when right. we try to, we're trying to recreate Christ. And it's that's a horrible idea because a counterfeit Christ saves no one. Amen. And the way you learn how to do that with your drug addicted friend is through God loving you through your, exactly. you know, your For freely, you freely, you have received freely. You shall give the woman crying uh, at Jesus's feet and washing uh, her, his feet with her tears and drying his feet with her hair. Everybody thinks she's crazy. And he says to whom much is forgiven can love much. Right. Yep. And so in that, can we go to the Lord, ask for forgiveness, receive his forgiveness, receive his love, and then pour it out on those who desperately need it. Yeah. And just, it shows the importance of you embracing your own ugliness, of you embracing your own sin, of you embracing your own cross because of how many lives you can then go for and go forth in effect, you know, and and that's something I think is so important. We we don't realize the selfishness because that goes back to our choices affecting other people, right? Mm -hmm. Your, your choices to act affect other people, but sometimes your choices to not act. Your choices to not take action, to take initiative Sins and to, you know, yeah, to, to correct and heal some of these parts of you really affects other people and it affects them in a passive way by not affecting them positively, you know, um, and, and it's tough because you don't see that. You don't see what doesn't happen. You don't see the good that doesn't happen because of what you're failing to do. And Amen. that's something yeah. that I, I fear that 
we're going to potentially see in the afterlife, you know, that's going to be heartbreaking for a lot of us is what could have been, what could have happened, you know, yeah. uh, which is going to be tough. And I think that it's something that was so cool in the midst of that God loving you always and uh, through it, but you also had this really cool kind of like awareness and experience to say when you had the, uh, the, when you met the Ethiopian man on the hike, when you were on oh, like yeah. your 37th hike of the day, and you go over down the mountain, right. And you have this kind of miraculous, like really cool experience. And you're just kind of like, wow, was God always trying to work wonders to me in this way. And I think that that's the experience that all of us have when you have any type of like ministry or evangelization on the other side of serious sin, right? So you have mm -hmm. like a struggle with serious sin and it's not even over yet, but still on like just you starting to cooperate with the Lord in any way, something good happens in somebody else's life through you. And you're like, mm -hmm. was God always trying to do this? Right. You know, like <laughs> this, that's the experience we're just talking about people having in the yeah. afterlife that you have in, in real life, you know, like yeah. in life here on earth where you're looking back and you're just like, how many times did you try to do that? And I, how much have I missed God? Right. Because right. I've had my eyes on things that are not you or people that yeah. are not you or whatever, you know, because we really are. I've, and, and I'm missing it. I'm missing it. Right. Like this is not just, Oh, everybody's missing. No, I'm in that too. But, yeah. but my prayer is Lord, help me to miss less. Help me to miss less. I, I want, I, I don't want to go with these. Oh, I could have, and I should have, and I would have, no, I can, I can with your help. Holy spirit, show me, Holy spirit, strengthen me and let's go. Right. And so right. in that, um, yeah, that was a, that was a powerful encounter that, uh, the Lord still reminds me of for, for today in my life today, you know? Yeah. No, that's absolutely amazing. <laughs> I think it's so, it's so big. I just remember reading that. And I was just like, man, I like was thinking about all these different memories and moments in my life where I was just starting to think back to that exact moment where I was like, man, was he always doing this? Well, you were always trying to work through me in this way. And it's a beautiful thing that I think really unites us to the apostles, you know what I mean? The disciples mm -hmm. and, and so many saints throughout the years that probably just had the same experience of saying like, wow, God's done some pretty baller stuff. I wonder if he yeah. was always trying yeah. to do this, you know? Yep. And, and I want people to step into that. I want that for my own life now. And I want others to step into that now. Not like, hey, I'll do it later. The, the title of the book was actually almost not yet, God, or not now, God, because it kept just saying like, not yet, not yet, not yet. St. Augustine, right. right? Make me chase just not right now. <laughs> because Absolutely. see, but, but when we, when I pushed God off, I was actually pushing off the fullness of my own life. I was yep. actually pushing out the glory that he wants me to live in right now with struggles, of course, but I was pushing away my own happiness. I was delaying by delaying God and his will of my life. I was actually delaying the goodness he has for me. And I pray to God that I don't do that anymore. And I pray to God others don't either.